And it's time once again for Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where we watch the movies you recommend. I am your host, John. Over there is your other host, Jeff. Hey there. And we together have watched a movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and someone else watched about five minutes of it with us. Too. Oh yeah, we had a yeah. we had our friend Brian over, yeah. and he sat through. Uh, first, I'm gonna say maybe twenty, almost probably about twenty minutes of it. He missed some of the real wild stuff. Oh yeah, I mean you kind of get it just in the beginning of the movie. But we watched Hard Ticket to Hawaii. It's a hard ticket to Hawaii. It's a hard ticket. Yeah. To Hawaii. Man, they sure tried to work that, that title into that song. Whoever. It was real rough trying to get that to fit to a beat. Yeah. yeah. Well, good on them for trying, though. Yeah. We've got uh, Hard Ticket to Hawaii is a like one of those old boob romp films. Yeah, they don't make these anymore because it's much easier to just get boobs on the internet if you want. Yeah, but no the, one's really like, this- oh, I'm suffering for finding boobs and I don't want the, you know public to think that i'm some kind of sex pervert by going into a sex store yeah so i'll just see what's on late night cinemax and this is the kind of movie that would be now if you're curious which type of late night boob movie this is there's there's usually a good three or four kinds uh and this is the first or or theoretically an action adventure and also boob movie yeah as opposed to the theoretically a comedy but really boob movie or the theoretically a uh a creepy like stalker romance but actually a boob movie oh yeah yeah or the horror that's actually a boob movie yeah there's a lot of boob movies get into a lot of genres yeah i mean there's even sports but actually a boob movie (laughs) yeah so there's there's a breast of their own i'm kind of sad that there are certain categories that don't show up in that very often like i'd like to see a western that's actually a boob movie i'm sure that exists or a documentary that's actually a boob movie (laughs) just a documentary about boob movies called the boob and it's just basically, you think it's going to be all interesting about like breast cancer and like the history of breasts throughout the ages. And instead, it's just some big titted woman comes out and goes, here's my boobs. And then they just cut to another one. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, I want a documentary of boob movies mm-hmm. and like the rise and fall. I mean, that exists. There's that that documentary about Jim Wynorski that's pretty close to that, basically. Is there? Uh, Papatopoulos, I think it's called. Huh. Yeah, it's actually completely worth watching. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, uh, there's, and I, I think there might even be more than one that's like that because there's another one that's about the making of the witches of Breastwick. <laughs> uh, so they're out. You can check that. I've always been fascinated by that genre. Yeah, that kind of oh, it's it's kind of a fun cheeky romp as opposed to you know you know we have to have a doctor here to inspect our genitals and then we're gonna fuck on camera. I've always been fascinated <laughs> by these like oh, it's just a good time. Have everybody oh, boobs are out, yay! yay. And now more movie happens and then boobs are out, yay! I've always found those kind of charming yeah so uh so I, I i definitely checked out the jim wynorski doc when it was available because uh, i wanted to see the process by which these things come into existence and uh this movie man yeah it sucks it's <laughs> it's bad it's weirdly bad there's some weird weird things in here. there are some weird choices that they make in here <laughs> mm-hmm. that you're like i feel like there should have been a reasoning behind some of these things, mm-hmm. and yet they're just sort of like, nah, we yeah, just we, decided we had to do a, this. We had a guy, so we, we had to put a scene with the guy. Yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of choices in this movie. <laughs> a lot of hard choices in Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, I'll give it to them that at least they filmed in Hawaii. Yeah, they definitely filmed in Hawaii, and also there's a lot of location shooting where they're not there. That's like you know beautiful vistas of Molokai. 
uh, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, at least it's not like, here we are in Hawaii, and it's clearly just like Southern California somewhere. Mm -hmm. Here we are in dry, shitty Hawaii. I do like that the boat that the main characters all hang out on all the time is still called the Malibu Express, though. <laughs> I wonder if they were like, yeah, that's that's a city in California, and they're like, yeah, close enough. Yeah, Malibu right. sounds like a Hawaiian word. Don't well, worry about it. It's fine. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you know, spoiler free, you don't need to watch this. The internet exists. Yeah, you can go check out the best parts of it. Uh, I'm pretty Which sure are boobs. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. A lot of those are some strictly 80s bolt-ons. I mean, the best part of this movie is definitely the snake. So uh, Yeah, I was going to say it's the snake and the skateboarder. <laughs> I, I, I feel like the boobs in this movie kind of are so... They're all pretty well enhanced, so to speak. <laughs> and, and, and in that 80s surgery style where you can basically see the, see the steel armatures that are holding them up still. <laughs> like, all the boobs in this movie are basically rigid octagons. They're like the zeppelins of tits. They're rigid octagons. As opposed to two dudes fighting on them. <laughs> I mean, as opposed to the blimp of tits, which is the modern day breast expansion. These are the kind where you can kind of see the corners in the, in the silicone pads. <laughs> uh, we've come a long way. We baby. have. We've, got, we've come so much further. There's, we've made so many strides in getting nipples to point the same direction technology. Yeah. Uh, that, that you just you feel bad for the people who are in this film. Yeah. Uh, because they, their surgery came before those strides. Yeah. And who knows what the future may hold. Who knows? Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the basic spoiler for review, it's an action-y spy agent fight romp set on Hawaii, uh, or various Hawaiian islands, and you do not need to see this. No. So you know what? We're going to play a little music, and we are going to come right back with the full spoiler review of Hard Ticket to Hawaii. It's a And we are back. It's mm -hmm. time. Ooh. Ooh, it's time. I, I kind of feel bad that we watched this yesterday. I... There's so... Because it's such a bunch of disparate, weird scenes. It's going to be hard to get to most of them. Well, yeah, there are times where they'll just, like, cut to something that's happening, and it has no bearing on anything, and then they'll go back to the plot. Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to remember everything that happened in this movie, because it is just a jumble of nonsense. Yeah, yeah. So... But I can't tell you how it opens. It opens with our our uh, one of our heroes, the only one whose name I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm really sad that this movie isn't named after one of the characters so that I could call them the titular character. Oh, I know. Uh, the titulous character. You should just go with that instead. But I can't remember which one this is. It's not Taryn. It's the other one whose name I don't remember. Yeah, it's De Debbie, De 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 Donna. Donna? Donna and Taryn. Donna. Donna sounds right. Well, Donna's swimming around, and it looks like she's in the pool, but she's not. She's in the glassy waters of Honolulu. Oh, yeah. And she climbs out of the and onto the boat, the Malibu Express, uh, where she's... <laughs> Where her, her boyfriend, Rowdy, is hanging around. You always got to love when someone's got a boyfriend named Rowdy. You're like, oh, did you get named after the dog? What, <laughs> Rowdy? Yeah, this is my dog, Rowdy. <laughs> Were you born at a truck pull? <laughs> <laughs> Unless your name follows with Roddy Piper, there is no reason that you should be called Rowdy. Well, here we have a Rowdy. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, so, so Rowdy has not gotten into the water and instead is standing around with a glass of wine because they're having a romantic evening. And she says to him, we should, you should go swimming. And he has a witty rejoinder of, uh, no thanks, babe. I have better things to do with my body temperature. I don't. What? 
And what uh, is he plan? Is he going to hatch eggs? He, what is he doing with his body temperature? He means he wants to make out with her. I think because he wants to be nice and warm for his makeouts. Ooh, I want to be nice and warm for my makeouts. And they lightly kiss, and then they discuss how they're both DEA secret agents, like plainclothes DEA agents or something. Yeah, they they get into the boat and they're like, "Ooh, I don't, baby, I don't want you to go to." Uh, Molokai, I want you to stay here in Honolulu with me. And she's like, no, the agency sent me to Molokai, and I go where I'm needed. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I am an actual agent, I, and I do the job. I take this very seriously. Now, if you don't mind, here are my tits. Yeah, because the next thing she does is she goes, well, take this seriously, or something like that. And she just takes her towel off, and there's her boobs. And it's funny. This is the thing I love about this this uh, genre that I was talking earlier about, how much I love this particular genre of films, uh-huh. is that everyone treats revealing their breasts as like a, a fun surprise. They're like, hey, look. Instead of, you know, oh, we've been dating for forever, and I'm kind of, I know what your boobs look like. When she's like, well, check these out. And he's like, ah. And she's like, yeah. It's just, Every, everyone's so- excited that breasts are involved. Everyone's just so happy about boobs. It's like the whole world feels like I do all the time. <laughs> and it's 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 a universe that, I would like to inhabit. That's why you like this genre so much, is because mm-hmm. everyone inhabits the same brain space that you are always in, where you're just like, ah, boobs! It's true. I, I love boobs, and so and so anytime I see this, these movies, everyone's just like, here's my boobs, and you know, in a normal, real-world relationship, everyone's like, yeah, I've seen those. Or, okay, are we, let's, let us have sex. But in these movies, it's always like, oh, awesome. Let's focus in on those for a while. And not do anything with them. Just really appreciate. Well, yeah, because it's not porn, so no one gets to touch them. No. They just get to be out. Yeah, they just come out. And so it's always just like, hey, hey, nice. Mm -hmm. It's never creepy like, yeah, look at those tits. Yeah. It's always just like. Cool and like thumbs up. Good job, yeah, exactly. On those. I love that. I love that the kind of charm that that rolls around boobs and, and the revealing of boobs in these movies. Yeah, it's a charming joy rather yeah. than like a creepy perversion. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It doesn't matter who's in the makeout session or whatever that comes next. There's just this good minute long moment where they're like, "Ha ha, my tits!" and everyone's like, "Everyone's like, yay!" Oh, good. It's like seeing a Christmas present. Aw. So, or like, she could easily, it, it would be the same if she just went, and I have puppies. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, oh, puppies. Nice. Yay. I like that. Yeah. Well, anyway, she does that. And then they settle in for a good long makeouts because this is the kind of movie where no one fucks. Um, Hell yeah. And yeah. then, uh, we now get... we cut to, we cut to some Hawaiian policemen. This is probably one of my favorite scenes in mm-hmm. this movie yeah. is these two policemen who show up on like, a, a zodiac rat. Dingy. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, should we take the gun? Nah, leave the gun behind. Just leave it in this boat where anyone could find it. That's fine. Yeah. So We're good, responsible policemen. So these these guys are like two Molokai policemen, which means they work out of a zodiac and they go to a lot of extremely rural places. Molokai is not an especially well settled island, especially in the late eighties. Um, and they're they're tromping through some uh, some overgrowth, and mm-hmm. they're just like. Look, uh, you're the new guy. I've been doing this route for like years, and I'm gonna retire in a month. <laughs> that definitely means I'm gonna die right now. Yeah, but I want you to know these guys sell drugs, but it's just like a little family yeah, it's farm little, it's that does fe- marijuana. Yeah, it's just a little weed farm, and it's fine. It makes them get money. They spend it in the community. It's good for Molokai. I get a kickback for letting them do it. It's fine. But I do got to come out here once a year and issue them a fine. Yeah, I got to come out, do a fine, just so I get some money, Mm -hmm. and everyone realizes that, you know, we know what they're doing, but it's okay. Yeah. But this time they get out there and a 
uh, it, Mad Max has happened. There's a whole bunch of people like fixing and working on bikes. There's and, there's a bunch of dudes with machine guns, and they, it's like a big operation instead of just a little weed farm. Now, the other thing that's nice about this scene is this is the only time in this film you're going to see native Hawaiians. It's true. There is one. There's one big burly thug who might be native Hawaiian. We're not sure. Yeah, there's one dude who looks like he's native Hawaiian, and yeah. that is. It. Yeah, these two cops are native Hawaiian, speaking with native Hawaiian accent, and it's it's kind of nice because the rest of it makes you think that mostly this the uh, the entire island is populated by people who would be in penthouse, huh. uh, so, and indeed were. <laughs> yeah, most of these were penthouse or hustler or playboy types. Um, well, they see this, and the the older cop is immediately like, "Well, that's not what's supposed to be here. Let's get the fuck out of here before it's too late." Yeah, which I didn't appreciate because I thought he was just going to be like. Hey, what's going on? But he was like, oh, shit. No, this is fucked up. We got to go. Yeah. So they turn and try to run, but they hit a tripwire, uh, which does the Ewok trap thing and pulls them up into the air. Yeah. We got dangle cops now. And then some thugs come out and shoot them. Oh, shit. Yeah. And they seem to take way too much pleasure in this. Yes, they like, do. Like fucking the Shades guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mirror. You just named Shades. Yeah. Shades guy. He's, yeah. he's got mirror shades on and he's just shooting, shoots both of them with like a shotgun. And he's like, ha, 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 yeah. And I'm like, you'd think yeah. maybe killing two cops would make you feel like, oh, damn it. They know we're here. Yeah. Eventually this is going to track back to us. We're going to have to do something about this, this, this uh, unfortunate incident. Yeah. But no, he's just, just happy to be here. Yeah, he's just like, ah, I'd kill cops out here. It doesn't matter. that There's no other cops. These are the two cops of Molokai. Yep, that's it. Yep. Uh, so that all happens, and we kind of get an establishing shot of our, our main thugs and our big villain, Seth, who comes out and is like, okay, feed these two cops and they're both to the shredder. He's got like a weird South America Spanish accent somewhere I in there. I cannot place him, because yeah. it could be somewhere european mm -hmm. it could be south american i have no idea feed these two to the shredder and see how it goes then get back to work and you're like, like what, what? Yeah. are you like are you are you like like bolivian by way of russia what the what, fuck is going what, on here what are we doing exactly well it that's about it for that um then we cut back to t to da what are we saying? Da uh, Donna? Donna. And Donna's coming home to her house slash office thing, uh, which as she's coming up, a, a another woman comes running up from the beach in full bikini. Uh, now, this is Taryn, yep. our other main character. And uh, she's going to immediately get topless and start taking a shower. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, one of those showers that is near the beach to just sort of rinse off sand. Exactly. Yeah. But she's going to get topless for it. Well, I, I really, the other thing I find funny about these kinds of movies is that you can tell where the line is because she's like, well, I need to take a shower, so I'm going to take my top off. But the movie's not, you know, X, so I'm not going to take my bottom off. Oh, no. So I'm going to get a shower except for the part, you know, the groin. Yeah. No, that's everything in this is yeah. just. Well, I, I can't take the bottom off. That's Whoa, come on. What, what kind of show do you think we're running here? Uh, but anyway, yeah, the two of them have a fun conversation during which we establish that. So Taryn is a narcotics dealer or something who. From what I gathered. Yeah. It was she turned evidence, evidence yeah. on like a bunch of drug dealers. Mm -hmm. And so the DEA put her in witness protection 
But what they did was say, oh, for your witness protection, we're going to put you on Hawaii mm-hmm. and make it so that you're in the DEA. Yeah, they basically make they make her a DEA agent working some plum ass office on Honolulu or out of Honolulu, which feels real weird. Like, there's no point where like, oh, well, we got to make sure you're safe. So what we'll do is we'll hire you. I'm like, you don't get hired into the DEA for that. Yeah. And it, well, you can tell they, they were just like. It was like a hackneyed premise thing. Whoever did it was like, ah, okay, so you've turned evidence, and now you're going to need witness protection, and you're a big boobed, teased hair blonde, huh? Well, we've got one of those, so I'm going to sign you to her, and you guys have to wear matching outfits. The, I mean, my guess is the person writing it was like, well, we've already got the no-nonsense hard-ass agent, mm-hmm. so we need the bubbly, like kind of ditzy one to go along with it because those are the two that things that we need in this mm-hmm. and also you both have to wear short short jumpsuits well i mean yeah obviously. i mean duh <laughs> or they choose to i don't know they're like okay how are we going to get the dumb ditzy one to follow around a dea agent and they was like uh she's also one but not yep she's just a sort of a dea agent but it's like optional for her yeah it's very weird she's just play acting at being a an agent yeah now the two of them are being given an assignment uh now, this is the part that really uh, can uh, flip your lead when you try and think about it. They are assigned by some cargo hauling company called Molokai Freight to fly a Cessna with passengers and a live snake on it to Molokai from from uh, the big or no from uh, I think it's Honolulu. Yeah. Um, but it's not a DEA job. No, it's like it, they just have multiple jobs and they. It's like they they show up at this like freight shipping company mm-hmm. and it it just like no one seems to be confused by this and in fact donna knows the person who runs this super well like they do this all the time mm-hmm. i go hold on as a dea agent you are here to give like tours and drop off wild animals this seems very strange. I guess people got to wear a lot of hats in Hawaii, John, because there's just well, enough, there's a lot of sun. There's just not enough people to go around, so everyone's got like four jobs. Well, everyone's uh, got I mean, a lot of hats. I mean, technically, the unemployment rate there is enormous, uh, but not for these ladies. No, that's uh, why it's enormous because yeah. these DEA agents keep doing they, everyone's they, job. They take all the jobs and they drive around shooting their raps. <laughs> I, but uh, these DEA agents coming in, <laughs> stealing all the snow. Uh, but yeah, the. <laughs> So this dude is is oh by the way this is also the opening credit sequence is uh this factor that this warehouse where the dude is moving freight around has all like the opening credits I will say printed. that was neat because it it's well all done. it's all actually like uh spray painted onto the side of boxes mm-hmm. and they'll like turn a box and on the other side is another name and I was like oh that's yeah, it was that's like a old, neat little thing old fashioned clever I liked it. Uh, but yeah, it turns out these two ladies have a job to fly a Cessna to Molokai, which is coincidentally useful because uh, Donna has recently been assigned to be the DEA agent person who's in Molokai. Um, now, the cargo they're carrying is a pair of honeymooning tourists who are going to get dropped off in a random beach somewhere and then checked on the next day. Yeah. Uh, and also a snake, which is going to be going to the Molokai Wildlife Center. It'll be the first ever snake on the island of Molokai. Uh, I guess, and and they're they're directed to give instructions to the. W- w- they have like a book that goes with it. Unfortunately, there's been some bumbling in in this scene. Oh yeah, where well, some forklift operator did not pass his forklift license because he is very bad at this. Knocks mm-hmm. into a crate, manages to use the prong to rip off a thing that says like 
Caution, danger, contaminated. Yeah, it turns out that the freight office currently has two giant snakes in it. Uh, one of them is a super contaminated mega danger snake, and the other is a regular pet snake. Um, and they, uh, obviously, because it's important for the movie, they accidentally load the super danger snake onto the, onto the plane, and then they... So the, the two agents show up, Taryn and Donna show up, in what looks like... Daisy Duke cut off UPS uniforms that have been V cut down to the navel. Yeah, so they've got like like a button down it's a jump- khaki yeah. shirt that is just unbuttoned down to the navel mm-hmm. and the sleeves are rolled up and then just short shorts. But it's a jumpsuit, it's all one piece. It's insane looking. And it's also very loose and baggy, except at the ass. It's the weirdest outfit. And there's a point where the two of them go kind of happily jog-bouncing over to the airplane to look at it, and the dude who runs the place spins around to look at their butts, but there's a moment where my first thought was he was like, what the fuck are those outfits? Not <laughs> so much that he was being, like, like horny. Like, Ooh, look at them. He was like, what the fuck? Who? That's... The DEA has gone nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't you be in a regulation outfit? Yeah, that's... What What are you... You go fight an American gladiator? What is this? <laughs> yeah, the... <laughs> The thing with the snake for me in this, mm. by the way, is so weird. Because this snake is like the C-plot, mm. but it gets, I'm going to say, like maybe 15 minutes of screen time. Yeah, and let's be clear, it, they don't skimp on the snake either. You get to see this thing right away and right up close, and it is a hand puppet. It's a wet hand puppet. It is a moist hand puppet of a snake that the person using the hand puppet is also making the noise because it just like shows up on screen and goes <sighs> yeah it's just what are you what what the snake, fuck this snake looks insane what are we doing but yeah anyway they load up their their two tourists and they fly to molokai uh which is just some beautiful location footage and the movie's official song yeah it's a hard ticket to hawaii yeah and then they land in a golf course in molokai yeah, uh, where they walk, they get out of the airplane and walk the tourists to their new des- their destination. Uh, at that point, the guy who runs the the freight facility finds the snapped off harness that said "danger contaminated" on the snake, and he's like, "Oh shit, you you morons! They took the wrong snake to Molokai." He's like, "Did you just not load up a snake?" No, we did. Well, you got the wrong snake. So he tries to radio them, and he can't get them at the moment. Uh, so he makes a phone call to someone else to try and explain what's going on, and he says the funniest line in the movie <laughs> by by a country mile, which is, you gotta be careful with this snake. It's super contaminated. It's loaded with toxic fluids from cancer-infested rats. <laughs> <sighs> what? I love the idea that this snake is hopped up on cancer rats and so is super dangerous. <laughs> I mean, were we just saying that they accidentally fed it cancer-infested rats? Or, like, or was this that a mad part of scientist? the experiment? Yeah. Is, it, is, is this a mad science thing? What are we doing? Why? And also, if it's like, oh, this is a super dangerous, fucked-up thing, why is it in a crate at a shipping company? Like In Hawaii, think- of all places. How would it even get there? I know! Snakes aren't endemic to Hawaii. Where was it headed in the first place? Where its first stop was Honolulu. But, I mean, I guess... Especially when we find out later, he's like, oh, that, that snake's going to die within the next, like, 36 hours. And you go, then why were 
you were shipping it somewhere. I mean, Honolulu is basically on the way to nowhere. Oh, yeah. It's just in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. What are you doing Maybe here? in the late 80s, it was part of a jump flight from, from like Los Angeles to Japan or the other way around. But that'd be about it. I don't... Uh, it's so weird. It's very, very unusual. <laughs> I don't... I think, like... The the director had to have just had this puppet lying around and been mm. like, "Well, I gotta put this well, in the fucking well, movie." I mean, that's it. Wouldn't be the only time he was just like, "Hey, let's just put this in the movie. This is funny," or that, or some other movie he made had a snake, and he's like, "Well, I already paid for this damn thing. I have a spare snake. I gotta use this." <sighs> okay, well then we cut right to the next scene, which is another e- example of the director just having a thing lying around because we cut out to a boat where a James Bond type villain dude. Uh, like an old bald white guy is like standing around saying, "Yes, it's time to send Seth his payment in exchange for the drugs that we collect from him each day." And and the uh, th- th- he has a radio controlled helicopter. Yes, he like, does. Like that he controls with his cane, with a single button on his cane. He's like, "Ah, oh, yes, this one button on top of my cane will send this helicopter to the exact specifications that I want." Mm-hmm. Man, that is some jumped-up helicopter equipment. If it's if it goes offshore from Molokai in, I mean, I, I my parents were friends with a bunch of RC airplane people in the late '80s and early '90s. They did not, they were, they couldn't do that. They weren't drones yet. No, but any, I mean, this thing was running on two-stroke engine fuel. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm running on two-stroke two fuel. If you know what I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't either. <laughs> Something about how you're bad at wieners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy's bad at wieners. <laughs> Oh man, I want to be able to write that into my grinder profile. <laughs> B- bad at wieners. <laughs> Just a warning. Bad at wieners. <laughs> warning. Bad at wieners. <laughs> okay, so uh, the helicopter comes flying into Molokai to make the drop. Unfortunately, it flies right up to our our two heroes. Yeah, because they are in the same way that the first two police were looking around they're in the exact same place yeah, essentially just, that they were just tramping around in 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 the far reaches of Molokai uh and then they the, the helicopter like, comes huh, flying up a fucking helicopter what is this what what and then it lands and a little door opens on the side of it and like, oh a door look and two little boxes uh, two little chipmunk dolls <laughs> <laughs> we'll trade it for these chipette dolls <laughs> Oh, we're the ones with the diamond dolls. Diamond dolls. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> no, there's two little boxes, and they get managed to get one box, uh, but the other one falls out of the helicopter just as thugs arrive and start shooting. Yeah, they, now they can't quite get this box because you know thugs. This also brings up my favorite, the, the, probably the D or E plot of the movie, and one of my favorite ones, which is that Taryn has a pair of nunchucks. And they will change hands several times throughout the film, and no one will ever use them as nunchucks. Nobody in this film knows how to use nunchucks. But again, this was one of those things where we're like, well, we got fucking nunchucks. Obviously, we're putting it in the movie. So in this scene, she just throws them at a dude, but manages to have them later on, even though she runs away without getting them. Mm-hmm. And later in the film, anyone else who has them just like, uses it like a club and just beats the shit out of someone without so, using the chain part. So two of the three goons who shot the cops are here. There's Big Fat Hawaiian Guy, and there's Sandy-Haired Mustache Man. Uh, now, Sandy-Haired Mustache Man takes a pair of nunchucks to the head, but, you know, thrown. Uh, and the, the Hawaiian Guy, <laughs> Donna pulls a collapsible ninja star out of her boot that looks for... All the world like one of those fucking old timey sheriff badges. It does. It looks like the ninja stars I made when I was a kid. 
the kind you make out of like folding tinfoil in a very specific shape. Yeah. Uh, like a pinwheel, basically. So she hurls that and it hits the, the Hawaiian dude in the chest and he falls over. But then she runs up and gathers it up. She's like, oh, I can't leave this out of him. And then and then they run off and get in the airplane and fly away. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> the <laughs> the nunchuck plot is one of my favorite things. The nunchuck thing is wonderful. in mm-hmm. this, And I also super love that she throws this weird like shitty badge looking ninja star has to go out of her way to retrieve it and it is never seen again yep <laughs> like the fact that she has to be like oh i need this back but i will never use it yeah well she already got one guy with it i got a guy with it and, and interestingly that guy does spend the rest of the movie clutching his chest in pain i, I mean, will he's... say this the continuity where for the rest of the movie he's got like a patch over that part mm-hmm. where he was hit i was like oh yeah. look at you and the other guy has a uh a, a, not a bandage exactly but you can see the bruise on his head from where he got hit with chucks yeah they kept they kept this i mean <laughs> like i can't wait for the next scene with those two idiots oh wait there there's there's an interstitial oh yeah, yeah. We, well first we need to check in with rowdy and jade Is no it jade or jace or jason maybe i think it, I, I thought it was rowdy and jade no it's but, not probably, jade probably because that guy looks like a mortal Kombat character <laughs> But they are on the boat, the Malibu Express, and they are doing Kung Fu, which then leads to horrible racism. <laughs> so so to give you a description of these two. Rowdy's the kind of guy who is in an 80s boob comedy normally. Yeah. Like, you know, he's got Rowdy that, the kind of guy who's in a boob comedy. You know the t- the actors who are in those movies. Uh, agreeably good-looking, but not the kind of person you would expect to see in anything but this movie. Yeah. Good-looking, but not charismatic. Yeah. And Jade is a giant muscle man. He I'm, I'm going to call him Jade. I, I could have sworn that was his name, and I don't care. But you don't have anything better, so his name is Jade now. No, I don't. And yeah. I'm not going to look it up. Yeah. So, so uh, Jade is a big muscle dude with a ponytail. He He's is vaguely the casting where they put out like, hey, need a muscle dude that can do karate. Mm-hmm. And that is their only requirement. Yeah. Might be the slightest bit not white because I feel like he he has something else going something on. Something going on. Maybe, or he might just be tan. He could just be very tan. But yeah. So the two of them are doing kung fu fighting at each other. And they're, you know, they're doing the kind of noises. They They have an entire... Confucius say mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Oh, God. It is real bad. Yeah. One of them was like, Confucius say, blah, blah, blah. The other one responds with a different, it's a Genghis Khan or something, where it's just, it's just bad. They're and, just doing horrible Asian stereotype nonsense back and forth at each other. So both of these guys are also DEA agents, I think. But apparently. We never see them in any kind of uniform. I mean, or we any know kind Rowdy of is. Yeah. Jade might just be some helper dude. I don't have a single fucking clue what's well, going on with that guy. Well, they're waiting around for instructions from the DEA, and they come in the form of a dude who comes out there to their boat on a motorcycle. They're docked, so you know. So, yeah. So a mo- a motor or moped comes riding up with a dude who has a sandwich for them. Yeah. Here's your lunch, and inside of one of those uh, styrofoam containers is a sandwich, mm-hmm. and inside the sandwich is a folded piece of paper that has. The instructions that say, like, hey, drugs are happening in Molokai, you know, be wary of that. Mm-hmm. Take a look and uh, look after whatever the name of the villain guy is. It's like Ray or uh, Rich or... The, yeah, the one the, the one who's the bald dude. The, no, the guy I oh. can't tell who where he's from. That's Seth. Seth. Yeah, because the other guy's name is just like... Jake Mr. Chang. Mr. Chang, thank you, yeah. Uh, so Seth. Yeah, uh, but and yeah. So <laughs> then they have to be like... Oh, man, I wish when they sent these instructions, they'd give us something to eat. 
I'm hungry. I'm like, my dude, you have a sandwich there. A sandwich is there, the most universal of foods. But what we need to do is we need to burn this so that no one knows that we had that. And they decide the best way to do this is to stick it back in the sandwich. Yeah, they stick the note in the sandwich, light it on fire, when it goes up instantly. Like, this was a lighter fluid sandwich. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the sandwich doesn't burn. It's just flash paper, which means the paper goes, Poof, and yeah. then the sandwich is fine, the box is fine, but then they close it as if my job here is done. I mean, you saw that that Jade fellow. That guy does not eat sandwiches. <laughs> that That's, man has never eaten a carb. Yeah, that he was completely. he is completely fat-free. Uh, so these two muscle dudes, that's our introduction to them. They're just big goofuses, uh, and they are also kind of racist. Great. Um, and then we cut to the Molokai office for uh, the DEA, where Donna and Taryn are landing their airplane right next to another airplane in what looks like a parking lot. Uh, and then they get out, and they're like, all right, so they have a brief moment where they're like walking through their house, but the first thing that happens is, well, they have to be like, what are we going to do? Yeah, we have about- to call Rowdy and Jade. Yeah, we we found these dudes with guns, and we've got this box, and I don't know what's in it. What are we going to do? Well, (laughs) the first thing we should do is take a bath. I think much better when I'm in the jacuzzi. Yeah, I do my best thinking in the jacuzzi. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, great. Uh Uh-huh. Which just means we cut to jacuzzi with topless lady and... I think it's Taryn is in there. No, it's... Or Donna's in there, and Taryn gets in. And they spend a conversation in there. They're yeah. like, what's in this box? It's diamonds. They never even put their boobs below the water. No. They, they get in the water awkwardly. Their hair is perfectly dry. And Taryn comes up and she goes, the thing in the box was diamonds. Oh, my gosh. We need to alert Rowdy and Jade right away. Let's go. And then just get right back out again. <laughs> I feel like in these movies, there is a set time limit mm-hmm. between when you can... Uh, do plot and when you have to show boobs again. I mean, there's a horror movie thing where they have a, a, a correct amount of time between scares, right? Yeah, and so, I feel like that's got to be in here. They're like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It's been like 10 minutes. We cannot have a scene without boobs in it. Mm-hmm. So it's just, <sighs> alright, we have the discussion we were going to have, but we're topless in, at like Phi level water, mm-hmm. and then we get out again. I kind of wish there was even more blatant one uh, of one some, at some point in the movie. Like the two of us need to have a conversation. Let's just get our tits out. <laughs> I mean, if I were making one of these movies, and and let's let's go ahead and say that if if System Master ever launches a Kickstarter, it's going to be the so- only thing it will be for yeah. is the, the System Mastery Titty movie. Yeah, the System Mastery Titty movie where we just make one where of these we just old, show John's tits, just show your tits. I just want to make one of these old fashioned titty movies. Yeah, that's, that's just a thing I want. I, that's that's my life dream. So that'll be our first Kickstarter. Great. The second one could be whatever you want, John. <laughs> is it also to make a titty movie? No. Is it a horror movie? No. Get a book published? Yeah. Oh, a titty book? Yeah. Okay. Good. A there horror we... titty book. A horror. Titty I want book. ghost titties. <laughs> Uh, I just, I just love this art form so much. It's like just a celebration of the boob. Um, anyway, the uh, the two of them have this five second fucking conversation, uh, and then they get out and they go have a conversation in the house, and then their house is raided by thugs. Well, we find out well, yeah. that their phone doesn't work, mm-hmm. so no one can get a hold of them at the house, mm-hmm. uh, and they also can't call from there. Yeah, we should probably have the other bit that happens at Edie's the yes. bar because that's the thing because. The other thing is, there is a restaurant called Edie's, mm-hmm. where side characters get to be terrible? Yeah, it's just a spot for side characters to be annoying. Uh, the first one we meet is a dude named Ashley. Uh, Ashley is the mater d' of Edie's. 
And he's a perv. He's a pervert who's yeah. constantly like, hey, why don't you come over here? I got the perfect seat for you. It's my face. Yeah, he's that kind of guy. And he does it to everybody who comes in. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the owner of the bar, Edie, who we don't know at this point, but she's actually Jade's girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a few other characters just sort of wandering around in there. We have a TV producer that... We get introduced to as a woman sits down as like, you almost raped me last night. And he's like, that was last night, baby. What's weird is that that woman is nothing. She's only in that one scene. Never shows up again. Yeah. And the TV producer only shows up one more time, but doesn't have any business to do with the actual plot. And pretty much for the same joke. Because what happens is he's like, that, that was last night, baby. That was today. I, I'm a changed man. I'm all about you. And then like a you know a waiter comes up in a in a low cut shirt, and and she's like, what do you have today? And he looks at her tits for like a minute and says, I'll have a pair of coffee. Yeah. So that's that's just him. Yeah. Basically, this is where bits are there to happen. By the we way, also- uh, in our intermission that we just had to have, we had to learn that we have to be a little quieter. So. We'll just be... We're going to take it down a notch. We'll go to smooth. But uh, in this little intermission, which, ooh, it's it's magic to you all. You didn't notice, but we had a little little time there. I looked it up. It is Jade, oh, which shit. is weird. Hell yeah. And I also looked up the person who played Taryn, mm-hmm. and she was in, like, Ghoulies 3 and Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Nice. She was in a bunch of, like, the shitty versions of franchise movies. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah, that's work. Yeah, I I could I I knew it was Jade. Is it actually Donna? Were we right about that? I think so. Yes. Okay. Good. Well, then we're we're batting pretty well today. Yeah, way better than we usually do. The memory on this one is great, considering yeah. this movie just flows out of my head. It is super weird, and lots long stretches of it are boring. But anyway, like, we, I swear to God, at one point during this, uh, the snake. Has the snake gotten out yet? Yeah, the snake's gotten out, um, but they have not been able to contact anyone about the snake yet because their phone lines were cut. Yeah, but, I, feel, uh, I feel like the snake got out pretty much right after the they f- landed the plane. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, when they landed the plane for the second time, when they got back to their, their house, because the snake's hanging around. No, no, the snake's hanging around. No, I eye. think it gets out after the thugs attack yeah. the house, which we were going to get to after Edie's. The only That's other right. Thing, that is exactly what happens, because it, it, it first gets out and scares Seth. Yeah. So the only thing that really extra happens at Edie's is we get introduced to Seth in Edie's, mm-hmm. and, you know, she tries to find out some information from him about what's going on, and he just sort of dodges it, but then he's... Two dumb idiots that got like a nunchuck and a ninja star thrown at them. Come out, have show to up, plane, yeah. And he goes outside and is like, "You dumb idiots! I'm gonna have to get somebody that can do this job." Yeah, and by that I mean this lady I'm with. Yeah, and some guy that's her friend, and then someone. Uh, and also he has one of the best lines in the film, which is, uh, "You two morons! If bird shit were brains, you'd have clean cages." <laughs> I love Seth. Every time he's on screen, I'm like, I don't know what's going on with you, my dude, but I like it. I kind of wanted the two goons to like try and figure out where he's from at that point, and they'd be like, oh, I like that expression. That must be a regional expression from, uh, finish my sentence. <laughs> from, from my grandmother. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh, can you tell me what kind of excellent uh, regional food she made when you were growing up as a kid? My grandmother was a terrible cook. We never had anything. Oh, God damn it. Oh, fucking shit. <laughs> And and what did you call her growing up? Like, did you have a, a special name? Did you call her Mima or something? No, we were not close. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
we will never know where Seth is from. So um, yeah, the the two goons get admonished, and then he's like, "I'll send out actual professional people." Yeah. So then the attack on Donna and Taryn's house sets up a thing that happens in this movie a lot, mm-hmm. which is great, and that is. Everyone has access to guns, but no one uses them unless someone else also has one. Mm -hmm. So, like, you can't show up and be like, oh, I've got a gun and you've got a knife and we're going to do this. It's always, I've got a knife and you've got, like, a nunchuck or I've got fists and you've got a small knife. Yeah. Now, we also establish that uh, we get to see what their sleepwear looks like. Yeah. Which is mostly just Van Halen style underboob shirts. Yes. Uh some it's very white snake in there yeah and very high of pant um and then they get they get assaulted uh one of the the woman cuts the phone line that's why the phone doesn't work and they never figure that out they just spend the whole rest of the movie going the phones don't work i don't the phones How still don't weird. work and they, there's never a point where they're like oh our line was cut by those two people who invaded our house uh but yeah these two people wearing uh pantyhose yeah they got stockings over their face mm-hmm. and there's like one for each of the two of them and I gotta say, the guy who goes after Donna has the world's dinkiest knife, mm-hmm. and it is hilarious. He to basically me. pulls a box cutter. Like it's, I would feel more threatened by a box cutter because it's just like a like a like a like an inch and a half blade. Yes. It's just it's just like eh, I got a I got a knife. Yeah. Cut I mean, to be fair, what, what kills you when you get stabbed is the hydrostatic shock, and it doesn't matter how big the knife is. But it's not the it's not the size of the knife, John. I know it's how you use it mm-hmm. to cut a fool. Yeah, uh, but anyway, the t- <laughs> they, they get they get in two little fights, and Donna more or less wins her fight. Yeah, but Taryn does not, and she shows the woman where the diamonds are, and then they're getting away. But Donna's pissed off about them getting away, and so she actually gets to have a gun. Yeah. Now, also while we're, we're hanging around, the snake escapes from the airplane box and scares the getaway driver, who is Seth. Yeah, because I think the goons check the plane first to see if the diamonds are there, mm-hmm. and they just sort of leave the, the little cargo door open. hold open. Yeah, so the snake gets out, and Seth, who is 100 feet away from the airplane, sees the snake, freaks out, and tries several times to shoot it. Well, he, and I love that this snake, like you say, is just could not be farther away from, like, barely within eyesight of him, mm-hmm. and he is screaming bloody murder as he attempts to shoot at it. And I'm like, my dude, you'd think you're right next to a car. Like, if you were freaked out that bad, you'd probably just, I don't know, get in the car? Close the door. Yeah. Snakes don't really have a whole lot of options. I mean, they're they're not like raptors. They can't open doors. Yeah. Snakes are very predictable in terms of what they're going to do next, even when they're all hopped up on cancer-infested rat. Ooh, that boy is, he's riding (laughs) high on cancer rat. Here comes that cancer rat boy. (laughs) Oh, shit, what up? (laughs) So he starts shooting at it, but... The, the two goons come running out. They only have some of the diamonds. They're basically like, you better bring us the other diamonds or else. Yeah, this because there's supposed to be two boxes and they think they have both of them. Yes, and they do not. They've left one in the in the w- woods. Uh, well, Donna comes running outside. She's pissed off and she just shoots at them and hits Seth in the fucking face. Yeah, shoots him what looks like dead on mm-hmm. in the face, but apparently it was just a graze across his cheek. Mm-hmm. 
But it really, <laughs> I thought it just hit him straight in the cheek. And I, was, I was like, fuck, that uh, dude is screwed. I was really hoping that she just murdered him. And the, the movie had to do a whole thing where leadership fell into a vacuum and the thug gang and they had to yeah, switch just leaders. like fucking shades takes over. And yeah. he's like, well, I guess I've got the best mirror shades, so like I'm just, in charge now. It turned out they cast Seth to be the big bad guy, but he had to leave for some reason. They're like, fine, you get shot in the fucking face in this movie. Yeah, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> but no, he just gets graced and is really mad about it. But, uh, but then they get away. Uh, and so does the snake. And the snake also escapes into into the Hawaiian night. Uh, at this point, I think we could go ahead and talk about the scene where Rowdy and Jade get to the island, I, get to Molokai. I guess. I c- There's more business at, at Edie's, basically. There is a lot of dumb nonsense that happens in this movie, well, we, and well, I cannot I think, tell. I think, I think the next thing that happens is we go back to Edie's, and Jimmy J- Jack... Jimmy John Jackson. Jimmy John Jackson, the third love interest, because Taryn needs a love interest, too. Yep. Uh, Taryn, so Jimmy John Jackson shows up. He's a local sportscaster and also does sports interviews. Well, there's a NFL, like, I I, I think this guy's celebrating the Super Bowl win or something. I think it's supposed to be, uh, don't they normally have, like, the... Pro Bowl or whatever. Oh, that's right. They have a rose, rose Bowl or Flower Bowl or whatever the one in Hawaii. It's the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl, yeah, okay. The the Rose Bowl is Here. In, in, like, uh, Barbara. Bar, bar, the Bahamas. <laughs> it, it's in Barbara. It's in Barbara. No, anyway. Burbank. There are, importantly, a pair of football guys here for him to interview, but we're not going to see them yet. They get one ridiculous scene. Yeah. Um, instead, Jimmy... Jim, Jim, John, Jimmy, John, Jimmy, John Jackson shows up and sits randomly down at a table with two dudes who are just sitting there being quiet, which is perfect because he's about to launch into a long description of the vitamin pills he takes every day and why. Yes. The two dudes there are, I'm going to assume footballsmen, but he's like, you know what I do every day? I take these vitamins and just this this here is B complex. Yeah. And that's great for getting the whole thing working together. Over here, we got E. And I'm like, okay, are, are you we, just going to keep going on what, this? What are we doing? This is lecithin. And I'm like, oh my God, are we seriously doing lecithin? And then he finally ends on, and this is vitamin C. Four <laughs> grams and I take it twice a day. Ten grams. Is it ten grams? It's ten grams. That's so much more than you can take. That is like lethal doses it's, of <laughs> vitamin C. I don't think there's a lethal dose no. known of vitamin C, but it would make you dizzy and throw up. Yeah, it would fuck your shit up. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous amount of vitamin C. Yeah. Um, they, I don't... <laughs> I I mean, I hate to say that perhaps maybe the writers of Hard Ticket to Hawaii didn't do enough research on pills. I'm, ama- I'm amazed they made this scene happen at all. I mean, this isn't boobs. This is just some dude talking to two other dudes. And then when, when he gets up and leaves, because he just does a little speech on pills, and he's like, all right, gentlemen, goodbye. And he gets up and walks away. One of them looks at the other one and goes, I love soul food. And that is their entire, they're, they're literally credited as soul food appreciators there in the credits. Are. That's it. That's all we get with them. Mm-hmm. We also, but the other thing we establish is that one of the bartenders at Edie's, uh, a woman that everyone calls Michelle, uh, is a spy who works for Seth, and she can do a thing where she plugs a jack into a phone and listens into conversations. Yeah, she's she's got a little listening device mm-hmm. and listens in as they have to go to Edie's to use the phone since theirs doesn't work, mm-hmm. and they call on uh, Rowdy to be like, hey. Shit's going down. We got shot at. We need backup. So Rowdy and Jade show up by boat, 
And this is this is the scene I really wanted to get to. They show up by boat. Uh, they get in a jeep that's waiting for them at the dock they land well, at. You, you missed the love scene between Jimmy, John, and Taryn. Oh, I'm so sorry. And by that's... that, I mean the scene where they just sit on a beach and she's got her tits out. And they make out for what seems like a day and a half. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that it feels that long in the movie. What I'm saying is that by the position of the sun and the way that they film the scenes, it looks like they're there from the morning one day to the afternoon the next day. Yeah, because when the, they get to Edie's... And they make the call. It is nighttime. Mm -hmm. And we we see plenty of outdoor shots. And at the same time, Taryn's like, ooh, that's a dude and I'm going to have sex with him. And then we cut to them at the beach and it is morning. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're they walking along the beach in the morning with some champagne. And we get shots of them like on the beach, being topless, making out. And as we get these shots, it gets later and later in the day in the shots to the point where it seems like they spent an entire day on the beach, being topless and hanging out. But in the scene previous at Edie's, they were like, oh, we're going to meet you tomorrow, and we have to do something tomorrow about this. Like, when I was 15 or 16, I could see that date being a thing. Like, well, Because San Diego has one of the few functional nude beaches in the United States. So I could see that being a thing where I would have done that when I was 16. We'll go to Black's, and you'll get your top off, and we won't fuck because we're 16, but we'll make out all day. That sounds rad. But when you're, like, in your mid-20s, like these characters... That's weird. You're like, no, we're not, because then I would be sunburned, and mm -hmm. that would be sad. Yeah, let's go someplace where there's a bed and finish this deal. <laughs> let's let's go ahead and seal uh, the deal. Yeah, well, I, but then again, I do appreciate this particular genre of, of film. I know. Uh, I know you do. It, yeah, and therefore, I, you know, the fact that she's just like, hey, boobs, and he's like, hell yeah, boobs. I am satisfied with that, and it is great. I am going to hug you in the area around them, being careful not to touch them, because this isn't that kind of movie. Indeed. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I will get in trouble if I do that, mm -hmm. and so I shan't. If I put my thumb on one on accident or something, I, we, the, the camera will catch you jerking away from it, because that's not contract. Yeah, it'll see your hand go, whoa, whoa hold on. <laughs> hey there, buddy. Whoa, move it away. <laughs> so, those are insured. Uh, uh, so... The two of them make out all day. You're right. That, that that was a thing we almost missed. The thing about this movie is there's always time to stop and go have sex somewhere. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, the best part about this is in between, I think this is the part where in between them, like, getting together on the beach and then Donna shows up to take Taryn away so they can go do their business because mm -hmm. they're going to spy on Seth's. Yes. In between that and the point where Rowdy and Jade land... It just cuts to our hand puppet snake going through the grass. Gets We get about 10 seconds of this, and then it cuts away, and it doesn't do anything. That's right, because it kills some people later, but for the moment, we just see it moving around. They were just like, hey, I just wanted to remind you the snake's out there. Yeah, anyway, back to the movie. Don't forget about the snake, guys. It's an important subplot. This is important. Yeah. Uh, well, Rowdy and Jade show up, get a Jeep, and are driving up towards Molokai when they... <laughs> So this is the uh, the uh, the third best line of the movie. I'm just listing them sequentially. I'm not actually making judgment calls. Yeah. Um, a dude comes. It's it's uh, one of the two thugs. The nunchuck hit thug comes skateboarding past them, going downhill on his hands. Yeah, he's doing a handstand on a skateboard downhill. And Jade's response to that is, "Oh, look at this guy. That guy must be smoking some heavy doobies." <laughs> smoking some heavy doobies. <laughs> God damn it, movie. <sighs> You're so bad, but there are points on this where I'm just like, really? 
Okay. I love that line so much. That's going to be what I say about my weed-smoking friends forever now. <laughs> smoking it's... some heavy doobies. Hey, fellas, what you up to? You smoking some heavy doobies? Huh? <laughs> I'm going to do that. I'm, well, since it's legal now, I'm just going to go into a dispensary and be like, excuse me, do you have any heavy doobies? I mean, I have a big fucking joint in my freezer right now. I want it in a, contest, a Christmas contest. Yeah, you want it in a contest. You called in. I was a, No, it was a white elephant gift exchange. I know. And, but, I mean, it's a big fucker. It's the size of a, like a permanent marker. It's like a thumb. Yeah, it's, it's basically... Like a like a sharpie, um, it, so I, I apparently have a heavy doobie. Yeah, I, but I'm, I'll never smoke the damn thing. I'm looking after a kid twenty four hours a day. What am I? No. Well, I mean, you got to pass. You yeah, got a puff puff pass to the baby. Well, yeah, I'm not, see, that's the thing is she doesn't want me. Ah, uh, you've never tried. You don't know how much into the weed culture sage is. I imagine how much she'd cough on that thing. She'd be wasting it. Amateurs, not my not my thing, man. <laughs> Amateurs. Mm-hmm. If you want to take a, pe- a pass at that thing. Oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I love. Yeah. I yeah. love smoking heavy doobies. Yeah, man. Let's smoke a heavy doobie. We're in California. We can just say that. We can do it. Yeah. We can be like, hey, cops, I'm smoking weed. <laughs> and they'll be like, well, why? You and have they're to like, yeah, same. Yeah. And they'll be like, you can't just do it outside, buddy. You're under arrest. And I'll be like, well, oh, I mean, I'm not currently st- smoking God weed. Damn it, I'm just saying I do smoke weed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Wisdom. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck bitches. Smoke trees. <laughs> Uh, anyway, smoking some heavy doobies. Well, he passes them. Yeah. And then it turns out that the the other thug is down at the bottom of the hill uh, in a Jeep. And he's like, all right, let's go get him. And then the skateboard their, guy. Their plan here is amazing. It's, it's completely insane. Because he rolls past them mm-hmm. in a skateboard. On his goes, hands. Goes to a truck. Gets in the truck with his skateboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The truck drives past them john please remind remind the me and the audience uh who's in the passenger seat of the truck well that would be the gentleman who is smoking heavy doobies no he's in the bed of the truck standing up now who's in the passenger seat of the truck oh that's right the passenger seat (laughs) is a blow-up doll a blow-up sex doll there is no mention no one says anything about it Mm mm-hmm it just is there. It's also there. And and, in, and it's important, as, as, as we'll learn very soon. <laughs> so their plan is to drive their truck past this Jeep, mm-hmm. and then skateboard guy is going to get out, and he'll have a gun. He has a rifle, too. He has That's- a rifle, mm-hmm. and he decides, you know what? Since I'm going to be skateboarding towards them, shooting them with a rifle, I may as well take the blow-up doll with me. For cover, probably. I mean... <laughs> probably. Yeah, they wouldn't shoot a blow-up doll. Yeah. Gonna, I, I'm, I'm going to use this blow-up doll as a human shield <laughs> so, while I shoot at a Jeep so the and Jeep. skateboard towards them instead of perhaps, say, shooting at them from the back of the truck or anything else. So the, the plan starts off quite successfully. Oh yeah, the he Jeep, manages the, to like shoot the yeah. tire of the Jeep. The Jeep go the, the the truck goes skating past the Jeep. He gets out, he skates down the hill with a sex doll. They look they they they've, there's a point where Jade and Rowdy see the, Jeep, the truck go by and they're like, "Well, that guy's being real aggressive. Up, oh, I guess it's over. It seems like we lost him." And then they're like, "Oh, here he comes again on the skateboard. It's that same doobie guy." Oh, oh shit, he's got a gun. Because he turns, he's hiding the gun behind the sex doll. It's a rifle. He's rifle. He's riding a skateboard using a rifle at point blank range to shoot a jeep while holding a sex doll. Now their response: Jade gets hit by a ricochet that hit from when it hits the tire of the jeep or the engine of the jeep, I think, because it's smoking after that. And of course, Rowdy's decision of escalation here 
Well, it's a three-step process. Step one, Jade smashes the the, uh, Jeep into reverse and hits a skateboard guy, knocking him into the air. Now Rowdy takes over, and John, please. Rowdy goes into the back, and they've got, uh, when they were talking on the phone, they say they're going to bring their trunk of toys. Mm Mm-hmm. The trunk of toys is, of course, weapons. Mm-hmm. He reaches into the back and pulls out a mini rocket launcher. Mm-hmm. It has four rockets in it. He shoots a rocket at the thug who is currently flying in the air because he was hit mm-hmm. and blows him up. This, however, is not enough for Rowdy. Oh, goodness, no. Rowdy also sees that the blow-up doll has been flying through the air and shoots a rocket at the blow-up doll. It gets it, too. And then he is sad that he didn't get the skateboard. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, the skateboard got away. I mean, the two of them kill this guy with, like, absolute wanton just, not, oh, just disregard. They blow him into tiny little pieces, and there's no point where they're like, oh, man. Maybe that was a little overkill. Mm-hmm. They they don't even say like, oh, we're going to have to file a report or anything. No. And the fact that they used a rocket on a blow up doll, mm-hmm. I feel like at that point, if I was the one who owned that, I'd be like, hey, man, do you know how much a rocket fucking costs? <laughs> do you know the ammo for this? Jesus. You know the street value of that blow up doll? <laughs> but yeah, he just, he sits back down at the end. He's like, yeah, got him. Skateboard got away though. Anyway. How bad are you hit? And Jade's like, oh, it's just a graze. I'll be fine. The Jeep is worse than me. Yeah. They have to go to a hospital to take care of that. Now, let's just be clear here. When they go to a hospital, also Jade probably gets blown by the nurse or something because he comes out of the building with a patch on. He's like, that nurse gave me extra special attention, She was very attentive to my needs. I'm like, uh, uh. Aren't you supposed to be dating Edie? What the fuck is this? It's an open relationship. (laughs) We've got an agreement. It's the kind of open relationship where I know it's an open relationship and she maybe doesn't. (laughs) I think I mentioned open relationship at some point and she said, that doesn't sound great, but she didn't say no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So yeah, the two of them get to a hospital and they call uh, Edie's. Uh, to get a ride from Edie. They're like, hey, the, our Jeep doesn't work anymore. Can you come pick us up? We're at this hospital. Yep. Uh, now, at this point, Edie go- says she's going to go get them, and she... God, we're we're just well, skipping the, around here. The the waitress uh, listens in on that. Yeah. Now, this is this is a boob scene. It's two boob scenes in rapid consecutive order. Uh, the waitress listens in on that, uh, so we know the ra- waitress knows, and she's in Seth's pocket. Edie runs to her room and gets changed uh, in a scene that exists solely so we can see her boobs. Yeah. She just stands there, like, facing towards the camera, just, like, looking at the camera, mm-hmm. and very purposefully not breaking eye contact takes her top off. And yeah. you're like, wow, that was really aggressive. Yeah. And then she, then she jumps in a 80s BMW convertible and drives away. Uh, then the waitress goes to her her room at Edie's, apparently. Just whatever sort of changing room they have there. But as she gets into the room, there's a woman out swimming in a pool. And the woman gets out of the pool, walks into the room where the waitress is, uh, takes her top off, and is like, see, Michelle, this is, you got to work out more because the more you work out, the better your tits look. I work out four hours a day for these girls. Yeah. 
And she's like, you need better tits. And if you worked out, you'd have better tits. And then she just walks away, never to be seen again. Yep. Just walks right out of the movie. And Michelle's like, yeah, okay, thank you. Sure. And then Michelle reveals the dramatic uh, secret of the film. Oh, no. Michelle is a dude named Michael. Yeah. And and (laughs) Michelle is Michael and is now taking off all the makeup. Yeah. Gets out of the dress and the wig and all the makeup and then... For the rest of the movie, will just be a regular goon-looking dude, mm-hmm. and that's it. Just some skinny bald dude. Uh, so he runs and jumps in a van, and the van takes off down the road because they're going to kidnap Edie. Yeah, as col- as collateral to keep uh, Rowdy and Jade out of their business. I think, and also because they think Edie might know where the diamonds are. Maybe uh, it's confusing. Well, they know that she has been using her restaurant to try and spy on Seth, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been working because, of course, they have the informant placed there. Yeah. But they're like, look, you've been trying to get into our business for this long, and now because you have this relationship with them, you might know where the diamonds are. Yeah. Meanwhile, Donna and Taryn have been spying on Seth's compound on Molokai, some huge beachfront <laughs> castle thing. Uh, and the thing they learned that's the weak point to Seth's castle uh, is that the Shades dude, who always has a machine gun on him, uh, spends most of his day playing Frisbee with a local townie, uh, just some woman in a bikini who comes running up the beach to play Frisbee with this machine gun guy. Yeah. And she does it every day. Every day, some some white woman in a bikini shows up, they play Frisbee, and then she leaves. Mm-hmm. And he is into Frisbee. And frisbee is the only part of this that he cares about. Uh, like, he doesn't give, he's not like, yeah, let's play some Frisbee as four player, whatever. He's like, I'm here for the love of the game. Yeah. I'm, I'm here, here to, for the craft. And it's specifically just to throw a Frisbee back and forth. Yeah. In fact, I love it so much that if I'm really into the Frisbee, I'll put my machine gun down. Now, in order to do this, they have a pair of binoculars and. Oh, a handheld video the, camera the thing. The world's best video camera. <laughs> There's a point where, where. Uh, Donna is watching him through the binoculars and then she's and then the van pulls up uh, and they unload Edie and the thugs and she's like oh my gosh look at all those I gotta gotta get a closer look and she trades Taryn the binoculars for an old video handheld video camera hey how do you zoom in this thing and she's like give me that camcorder I want to get a closer look I'm like what the fuck kind of camcorder what And, and this is the point where she goes okay she gets her zoom in she goes the waiter, the waitress, at, uh, Michelle, the waitress at Edie's, is actually one of those thugs, and he's a guy. I can tell because his pinky ring is the same. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And I was like, oh, well, I'm glad they decided to give her some, like, detective skills. Good job. You're very <laughs> observant. We're very glad about that. Quick, let's get to a shower. I do my best detective thinking in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get into a mud bath. I do my best thinking in the mud bath. <laughs> let's go shop for lingerie. Uh, so... At this point, I think we cut over to the honeymooners that we had not got to for a while because they're going to be taking pictures in the most surprising scene of this movie where a guy is taking Polaroid pictures of his lovely busty wife in mm-hmm. a bikini mm-hmm. with a, the beautiful Hawaiian background and she does not take her top off. I was amazed by this. I was like, because there's what? even a point you where you put this scene in this movie and didn't have someone take their top off. I have to assume that woman said no. Uh, <laughs> they had already hired her and it was too late. Yeah. 
Like, because even a point where the guy's like, hang on, honey, I've got an idea. And I was like, oh, here it is. Here we go. Here's the part where he has a fun idea. Uh, as an aficionado of beach pictures, I was like, oh, I know what the, I know this next move. All right. I, <laughs> oh, I've I've been there. I know. What's I, up. I know. I've got an idea. That's a good move. Yeah, I know what's up next. But instead, <laughs> I'll try goes, that. That's a good trick. Yeah. But instead, he goes, actually, I'm going to walk around you on this side so I can get the mountains in the background of the picture. By the way, all the pictures he's taking are terrible because they have they every one of them has his shitty, dirty campsite in it. Yeah, and the campsite is basically like a blue tarp with two sticks, a bunch of socks and trash and stuff scattered. Let's stay in the homeless camp. So he goes to change where he's taking pictures from, and ooh, that that hopped up snake shows up and murders the two of them. Let's go ahead and point out as well that the snake is pretty much always operating at face level. Yes, like that snake is somehow. Six feet off the ground, and it's yeah. never mentioned. It's just a pup. It's just because that's where the puppeteer's hand is. Oh well, yeah, because it's gonna attack this guy and instead of like biting his leg or whatever. It goes to face level and attacks him. Yeah, and this snake also eats chunks of thing uh, of its prey. It doesn't just swallow people. No, because otherwise it would have a dude in it. You know, that'd be a problem for it. It wouldn't be hungry again for a year. But instead, it just sort of t- tears chunks off its prey. Well, yeah, because it's it's hopped all infected. On, yeah, hopped up. On toxic fluids from cancer-infested rats. Yeah. Great. And, and it just kills both of these people. Uh, we don't get to see them die, but basically, as it attacks the dude, he takes a picture mm. right when it goes, because well, that'll be important. Yeah, and then they find both corpses, uh, to, to do Donna and Taryn later on in the film. Yeah. This is, in fact, it's pretty much the next scene. I was going to say, honestly, we can just say that later on they find these two because at some point they're like, we should check in on those honeymooners mm-hmm. just it is to make job. sure. It is somehow their job to do so. Well, yeah. Also, because I think they're camping somewhat near where Seth's is. Uh, so they're like, like I don't know. Let's make sure they're okay. Yeah. Molokai's not that big. But anyway, yeah, they they find them and, and they find a picture that confirms that the snake is alive and a murderer. Yep. And there's just like chunkles of them. Now, Rowdy and, but because Edie's been kidnapped, Rowdy and Jade have to make their own way to Edie's restaurant, where they ask about her, and, and Ashley, the weird dude who run, who's the maitre d', informs them that she's not there, and then they just go, okay, well, give us your car keys then. <laughs> and the dude, for his part, is like, yeah, okay. He, he just goes, yeah, put gas in it. Yeah. Uh, and they drive off, and, and this is going to be the point where they finally manage to rendezvous with... Uh, with Taryn and Donna. Yeah, back at their place. Yeah, where we get our, our, our love scene with Rowdy and Donna, uh, which is the only actual butt shot in the movie. Yes, and, indeed. And it's hilarious because he keeps making these extremely loud sex noises. <laughs> but every time we cut to see why, it's like she's at just sort of waist height. She's not doing anything. She's- no. So it's basically like if he was humping her belly button, mm-hmm. that's what would be going on here. Yeah, or if she was sucking off the center of his chest. Yeah. Uh, but... Anyway, he keeps yelling, and Jade and Taryn, who are not dating and don't hook up or anything, are in the other room and just sort of listening to it. They're, They're like, like ah, he's loud. That's funny. Uh, They're just supposed happening. to be in there watching a video that you guys took of the beach, but instead they're banging. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my favorite p- bit here, though, so real, is when, when Donna goes, hey, could you keep it down? There's two people in the nearby room. He just goes, nah, baby, I'm loud. <laughs> <laughs> and, she's, and she's like, okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> I've had that happen. <laughs> Nah. No. No, I can't. Don't ask me to do that. <laughs> are you crazy? <laughs> what, are you, what are you kidding? I'm doing this on purpose. I am performative. <laughs> this is a code that Jade and I know very well. <laughs> Watch. He'll have, a hang, he'll have a high five and a beer for me when I come out. <laughs> I'd do the same for him. Bro code. It, it's all part of our, our DEA code. <laughs> it's part of the 
DEA. Well, it's they, in the handbook. Basically, she's really just there to show him the video of uh, Seth's compound so they can plan their attack. Yeah. Because they, they have to go soon. I mean, after all, they know Edie's been kidnapped and she's being held in there. And also, all throughout all these scenes, we're being shown shots of uh, Seth's henchwoman uh, who <laughs> is now dressed in a Mortal Kombat leather bikini strap thing. You know that scene? And doing nunchuck stuff. And she is just like posing. She's doing bodybuilder poses while being like, I am a fighter. Ooh, ooh, nunchuck stuff. And it's just, it, it's just, being but it's not nunchuck stuff because no one actually does nunchuck stuff. Yeah, no one does any nunchuck stuff in this movie, but she is posing with nunchucks. Yeah, she's holding nunchucks mm-hmm. and just sort of posing. Yeah. And she has her hair in a top knot. And this is just, I, I guess they just realized that she kind of could wear this outfit and do these poses. I guess. And they have her do that. Yeah. And Edie's been tied up and is being tortured by everybody else in the gang. Yeah. Um. So. But, you know, we do have time to stay at home, uh, keep putting the same bullets into the same guns, and have sex. Yes, obviously. Uh, and Jade thinks the whole thing is hilarious. He's like, aha, my buddy's having sex in there. He's, there's never a point where he's like, oh, shit, they have my girlfriend. Yeah. It doesn't come up at all. No, he doesn't care. He doesn't, no he doesn't give cares. a shit. <laughs> they know what type of movie they're in. There's it, no urgency here. It's an open relationship. <laughs> you see, it's open. She's She's with a whole bunch of other dudes right now. <laughs> She's kidnapped. Well, <laughs> hey, uh, what's your situation? Oh, you're one of Jimmy John Jackson's ladies. I got gotcha. you. Okay. There's this, we forgot the scene with Jimmy John where he does an interview mm-hmm. with uh, the two NFL players, two NFL guys that were supposed to be getting like Shirley Temples, but they are drunk during the interview. Mm-hmm. This is such a weird one-off thing. He's doing a live interview with two NFL guys, and he's like, okay, well, this is the quarterback, and this is the guy who threw, he threw the pass to to win the big game. And he uh, does this whole thing. It's like, I think you did a pick, and, and then you had this guy go wherever. And he's like, what were you doing during that play? It's not enough. to You have to point out that he talks for about two minutes. Oh, this, yeah. qu- this question is, is one of those, let me read you a whole story and then say, right? And that's the kind of inter- that's my interview style. Yeah, but and th- so he does every football play term you could squeeze into a thing, and it's like you you had a slant with a pick and you dropped back, but then your receiver went right and then you slanted and you're like, okay, I, I get it, I get, I get it. it. And finally he goes, what were you thinking? And then the guy just goes like, uh, oh, in the huddle, I I told, hey, black guys go deep, white guys stop the black guys from getting hit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I think he put a fuck in there at some point. And then the other dude calls his friend the N-word, and he's like, this this N-word must be crazy. I'll tell you that much. And uh, this is a live feed, so now, Jimmy, th- there's no urgency or feeling to this. You have no idea what's going on. But what's supposed to be happening is this is the end of Jimmy John's career. Yeah, so he's like, thanks, back to you. And then they cut, and everyone's like, oh, shit, what happened? And we're, we, as the audience, we're, we're like, I don't know. What You tell us. What, I don't know. You what? never set this scene up. You didn't say it was a live broadcast. But there's, you, no, <laughs> there's no context or reason for this scene to exist. I don't know what's going on anymore and after than anyone else. A, after a few minutes of sadness, it's like a producer runs out and is like, Jimmy John, we got good news. The feed satellite feed cut out. He's like, oh, my career might be saved. Yeah, now the suits are telling us they want you to interview this lady golfer. And he's like, no, she's so dumb, a dumb joke. <laughs> she's so dumb that a dumb joke. That's, which is the end of that scene. Ugh. Great. Love it. I, I, I don't remember what the dumb joke was. but he, I don't. I could not tell. I mean, 
like with most of these types of movies, the sound quality isn't exactly amazing. No, no. So You can't hear boobs, John. No. Not unless you're clapping them together. <laughs> I'm dummy thick. <laughs> the clap from my ass cheeks keeps alerting the guards. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot of stuff in this that I think I missed just because the sound quality in this was bad enough I couldn't tell what was being said. I was I was at least appreciative that the lady golfer joke was that she's dumb and not that she's gay. Like oh, I was I, I was going to say that it's not just I don't want to interview a lady cuz that's bad for my career. Mm-hmm. But he literally goes, "No, she's so dumb that some dumb joke." Like that's that's and then that's the end of that. Yeah. Um and then yeah. we get the assault on Seth's compound. Which you feel like it should be the end of the movie. You'd like, think that. The the plan is pretty impressive. Uh, Donna's going to fly in in an ultralight and drop noise <laughs> grenades. Uh, everyone else is going to burst in in a jeep shooting rockets and machine guns at people. I love this. Because there's a point where, I mean, they sort of go in and they have a back and forth shooting and whatnot. And there's a point where Rowdy... T- <laughs> <laughs> takes the rocket launcher into the house and is just running around pointing this rocket launcher like it was a sidearm. Mm-hmm. Like just, you know, going around corners, rocket launcher first. Yep. I think my favorite part is when he gets into a into a cover shootout with a guy. Like some random dude pops out from behind a door and takes a couple shots at him he's hiding behind the couch. And then he ducks around behind the door and Rowdy just shoots the door with a rocket launcher and blows the guy out of the building. He's like, whatever, fuck it. Yeah, I have a rocket launcher. <laughs> We're not doing a cover fight. But there's no point where they're like, wouldn't you be like taking the building down? It's just... Well, the the level of explosion in this film for rocket launcher varies highly. Yeah. Because... One, it explodes a dude into pieces. Mm-hmm. But then when it hits the guy in the house with like hits the door, he just goes flying out the window and only the door is injured. Yeah. I think my favorite is when it hits the blow up doll in the air and explodes into a huge fireball instead of just going right through it because that's not enough resistance to set off the missile. Yeah. Now in this scene, uh Seth is gonna try and get away in a helicopter and they'll use the missile launcher on that which will blow up an entire helicopter. Oh, he's not he's not in the helicopter. They make they make a big point about oh, well, yeah. we have to get Seth too. Uh but it's the rest of his thugs trying to escape in a helicopter. There's also a scene where uh Rowdy goes running into a building and gets in a karate fight with a guy and then Jade comes up and goes, "Hey, he's mine." <laughs> and it's supposed to be like let's watch a karate fight except that the dude fighting Jade has nothing. Has no skill whatsoever. Has, oh no! It's just it's just being he's just being a bully for like five minutes. No, Jade's just like, hold on, let me clown on this dude. Yeah, because Rowdy and the other guy are like, what are you? We're two regular guys that you know we can throw a punch, but we don't really know what the fuck we're doing, and we're just kind of mm-hmm. lazily slapping each other. But like that's how Ray, Rowdy gets the rocket launchers. Jade's like, here, have a rocket launcher. I'm gonna punch this dude to death. Yeah, just gets gets into a karate fight with him where the dude has no karate. And he's he like, just keeps, I'm just gonna clown on this fool, not, and then he gets tiger claws out yeah and he also gives the other guy enough time to run away and get a knife so they can have a little weapon fight there's there's a scene in this where again a dude gets beaten up with nunchucks that do not get extended just grabbing both ends of the nunchuck and hitting him with it mm-hmm. like a club yeah no one ever swings the chucks like in, in a chuck fashion there's no, no. michelangeloing in this and that that there's two scenes in the movie where that happens Ugh. um but yeah so rowdy just or sorry, Jay just punishes this guy for several minutes and then tears his throat out with tiger claws. And he's like, and you're dead. And then he runs off to find Edie, who's still tied to the ceiling and all scared. 
and he unties her just enough. This is, by the way, the fourth best line in the movie. He he comes up to D- to Edie, yep. sees where she's at, and says, "You're tied up, kinky sex." <laughs> God damn it! I'll go get the midgets and leather. <laughs> <sighs> Thanks, Jade. That's the full line. What you want to do when you find your tortured, kidnapped girlfriend is to immediately go, kinky sex. Yeah, kinky sex. Just, what? Why did you just say that? What? What is? What the fuck is wrong with you? You're on WBBB with kinky sex and the fuck doctor. <laughs> kinky sex and the fuck doctor is a pretty solid replacement for, uh, for Elk, Elk Piss and, and the Butt Man. <laughs> Elk Man and Butt Piss. Uh, so... Anyway, he just unties her exactly enough to be able to make out with her. Yeah, right. And now they're making out. And then everybody escapes. And as they're escaping, the people try to get in the helicopter to escape and are laying down covering fire. But Donna shoots a rocket at the helicopter and blows up all the thugs but Seth. They escape in a van. Mm -hmm. And they're like halfway home by the time they realize, hey, wait a minute. What about Seth? Man, we never found Seth. (laughs) (laughs) Rowdy just has a motorcycle and goes flying out the back of the van mm-hmm. he just jumps the back of the van and rides away uh, and then we don't see him again until a climactic moment a little later on um we cut to donna at home alone uh just shower not not showering or anything this isn't a boob moment no um, she's just sitting in front of a mirror like doing makeup or whatever actually i think the movie's boob moments are over now uh yeah. anyway the There's uh never an end to the boob moments yeah it, anyway she's at home doing makeup or something and then seth comes in now seth's pretty beat up at this point he's been shot at he's got a knife cut on his fa- or got a bullet in his hole in his face he has knife wounds he's just he's not in good shape but he comes in and he attacks her looking for the diamonds and uh she manages to kick him free get away from him and hide in her closet now he pulls a big knife and starts trying to stab her closet open in the worst fashion possible. This is one of those closet doors that's just like the slats. Mm-hmm. And instead of like just punching it open or shouldering it or kicking it or anything, he is using his tiny baby knife to stab at the slats. I mean, it's also pretty lucky that this is a closet that has a lock on the inside of the, d- the door handle. I mean, there is that. That's that's a, that's a very lucky closet to own. Yeah. But he stabs his way through these slats and giving her ample time to assemble a spear gun and spear gun him. Yeah. As soon as he does the like break the slats and then unlock the door and open it he gets shot in the chest like sort of the shoulder area with a spear gun with a spear gun and he goes tumbling back and down but he's not out no he gets back up this is going to be a knockdown and think he's dead three times thing once with a spear gun once just pushing his spear gun wound and then the third time making him stab himself in the stomach with a big knife yeah then finally he gets up a fourth time (laughs) Now, after the third time mm-hmm. of him falling down, Donna is, of course, distressed. And she's and very runs, wounded. Runs into another room, and this room happens to just be the bathroom, mm-hmm. and she sits down right next to the toilet. Yeah, she's hiding in the tub at the moment. Now, <laughs> you may have forgotten this, but up from the toilet, 30 stories tall, comes the goddamn snake puppet. It's not just... Exp- explodes the toilet the entire toilet explodes also there's a blue spotlight in there <laughs> like there's like like he's being announced at branson missouri <laughs> i mean he just comes out with the world's most amazing entrance exploding a toilet as light shines upon his glorious hand and shouts out and shines out from where he is and there's smoke effects too oh. i mean this is a wrestler entrance that the snake gets oh yeah like 
<laughs> as soon as he explodes that toilet, someone's just like, oh my god, that's Stone Cold's music! And also a big snake! Stone, Stone Cold won't be happy! That's Jake Roberts' music! <laughs> Jake the Snake Roberts' music. Man, has a wrestler ever shown up to someone else's ref- wrestler music just to piss the original wrestler off? Oh, well, oh my god, that's The Rock's music, but... Wait a minute, that's The Undertaker. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> he just comes out, like, just flipping off the ground. Hey, you thought I was going to be The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> you thought cool things were happening, but no. Oh, my God. If I was ever a professional wrestler, that would be my gimmick. If I, I was sh- a low-end, yeah, low, like, low card. nobody cared yeah. about me, I would definitely be like, no, at one point, you have to take, like, a beloved wrestler. Like, give me Stone Cold or The Rock or someone who doesn't wrestle anymore, mm-hmm. but people would love to see. Yeah. Play that music, and then I'm going to come out and just be like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to flip you all a bird. You thought something good was going to happen, but I'm just some jobber. But it's me. That's... I don't even get a cool name. It's just like my name. It's, like, it's John Taylor. John Taylor. Oh, no. Oh, we used your last name. We don't usually do that. Oh, who cares? <laughs> do you know how many John Taylors there are in the U.S.? I know. There's a lot. Or in San Diego alone? Yeah, but now you're going to get a lot of those John Taylor Thomas jokes. They're, they're, they're a coming. <laughs> they're coming hard. Yeah. But that, anyway. is, that, that is the best wrestling gimmick ever, by the way. Just, just don't. No wrestlers out there steal our gimmick. We just, we thought of that. We just, that's us. <laughs> so the snake explodes the toilet, and she, Been I there, mean, man. reasonably freaks out. Yeah, runs away and hides behind a bed. Now, finally, Seth, once again, just the zombie of a man, completely covered in wounds and spears and stuff, stands up. Now and- he did not see Donna run out and jump behind a bed. He just thinks she is in the bathroom because the door is closed and he can hear things happening in there. Mm Because the snake is just like pushing makeup off the counter and stuff like that. Exploding more stuff, you know, just... Just exploding things. Yeah. And so so he walks and opens the door and gets bit on the face by the world's dumbest looking hand puppet. And then he promptly dies because, you know, that thing is very poisonous. It's just contaminated with toxins from cancer infested rats. I mean, I, what else he, What else was going to happen? And at, <laughs> at this point, like the Kool-Aid man, mm-hmm. Rowdy runs a motorcycle through the wall mm-hmm. and is like, ha ha, I'm here. And I'm like, my dude, you are a little late. And also, who called you? How did you know to ride through her wall? Was this just a sex thing? Was this planned? Also, if you had, instead of riding your motorcycle out the back of a van like an idiot, just stayed in the van and went to Donna's, you would have been there for this whole thing. Well, yeah. So he rides in on a motorcycle, jumps off the motorcycle. Donna's like, watch out, the snake's here. And he responds by rocket launching the snake's face off. Well, first Donna shoots the snake. And he apparently has a metal face. Yeah, she just knocks one of like, his teeth out. Yeah, you can see a bullet, like, hits his tooth and it just sparks and ricochets. And you're like, okie dokie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he gets hit by the rocket launcher. And this doesn't just blow up the snake. It just blows up the snake's head. Yeah, and there's no huge explosion. The snake's head just sort of pops. Yeah. And, and then its corpse falls to the ground. and that's So there's there's a lot of variation in the level of destructive capacity in this rocket launcher. I mean, you know, that that's all boils down to the rocket. Maybe they're very carefully picking what type of rocket to load in for each shot. Oh, like yeah. This was the anti-snake rocket. I've got my anti-snake rocket. <laughs> Just in case. Oh, shit. That's Stone Cold's music. And it's John with an anti-snake rocket. <laughs> that can't be illegal use of, of uh, outside items. <laughs> well, it's a no-DQ match, so anything goes. <laughs> he has blown up the audience. <laughs> All of their snakes are gone. 
what a horrible day for it to have been Free Snake Day. <laughs> and then from then, I'll, I'll be known as St. Patrick. Because <laughs> I got rid up. of all the snakes. Yeah, all the snakes in the El Paso. I blew up all the snakes in Ireland. <laughs> all the snakes in the El Paso Lyceum Theater. <laughs> well, there you have it. That's, uh, and then he, so he blows up the snake. Now, at this point, you probably think this movie's over. We've had a huge triumphant raid on the compound we've had a, a, a huge battle between her and the final boss and then and fi- we we finally wrapped up the weird dumb c plot of a snake being loose yeah but unfortunately the d plot of nunchucks being used incorrectly must have an ending as well well they're like hey you guys remember that one brief scene where mr chang was in it the guy who actually sent those diamonds <laughs> no none of the main characters were involved in that scene or the second scene where he complained over the phone and in fact no one's mentioned a mr chang until this point but then of course like rowdy and jade are like "Ooh, the one behind this all is mr chang we have to go get him he's half british half chinese he grew up at equal parts in hong kong and london he's super dangerous with edged weapons and he has a bodyguard a psycho killer who looks exactly like a juiced up mike from mystery science theater and he's he's deadly and sophisticated as mr chang there's all this talk about mr chang but it's between the six people who take a limo to Mr. Chang's building in Honolulu because all three of the couples are together. They brought Jimmy Jack along. They brought Jimmy Jack and Edie, which are like, but neither of you are, you know what? Fine, whatever. Whatever. It's it, You're all here. But the people who are actually going to go up to raid uh, Mr. Chang's office is just Rowdy and, and Donna. Yeah. Like, even though they brought two other people that ostensibly could go, they're still just like, nah, it's just going to be us. Now, they they go up to the 10th floor or whatever where Mr. Chang is hiding out. Mr. Chang sits in front of a big wall of weapons, and he has his big Mike-looking bodyguard. Uh, they walk in. The bodyguard gets up. He's like, what are you doing here? And they beat him to death with nunchucks. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> he never even fights back even a little bit. Yeah. They, they spent time <laughs> saying that this dude is a crazed killer, and he's super fucked up and dangerous, this bodyguard. He's a deadly murderer, and his bodyguard got job gives him ample time to sate his bloodlust. <laughs> then he just gets clowned on by nunchucks that are used improperly. Mm-hmm. Just gets beat up with nunchucks like a club, and eventually dies on the floor. Chang responds by pulling a katana from the wall, and they're, and they're like, like, you brought a sword to a gunfight. And he responds with, yeah! And throws the katana at them. Yeah, doesn't even try and swing it. Just throws it and but when i when we say throw what i mean is he tries to like dart throw it like he just tries to push it from the back oh yeah it's He's like underhand throwing this katana mm-hmm. at them it's uh back when we were in, in water polo that was what we called a screw shot was uh you'd hold the ball up with one hand and just push it real fast with the ball with the other hand from the back uh it you can't do it with a bladed weapon it's it, but anyway there's also a quick joke here where where rowdy pulls his gun and then Donna pulls a way bigger gun. Yeah, he's got a little pistol, but she's got, like, a fucking magnum. A big fucking hand cannon. And he has to look at it and go, oh, yeah, you got a bigger gun than me. Mm. We're going to we're gonna hash this out later with your boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Not by, you know, doing anything disrespectful with them or whatever. Just by you showing them to me and me going, hey, all Good right. Good job. <laughs> Those are great. <sighs> uh, well, they shoot him and they knock him out of the building. Yeah, he goes flying out the window. And slams into the ground below, and the katana has embedded itself into the wall between the two of them. Mm-hmm. So, and they didn't move. So that means not only was his big plan to throw a katana, but he can throw it hard enough to get into a wall. But he's not very good at doing it. No. Um, 
And we're done. All these DEA agents and like their random friends have murdered their way across Hawaii. No paperwork necessary. Indeed. It, we have a party on the deck of the Malibu Express, their boat they have, yeah. uh, where all six of them are sitting around. And they're like, okay, nothing left to do but go back to Molokai and, re- and retrieve that other box of diamonds. We're going to have to give that back to the agency because, you know... It, that's what we do. Any We're, any goods that we recover has to go to the agency. And Taryn's like, well, I'm not a member of the agency. And I'm the only one who knows where they are. So I can get them and sell them and then share my good fortune with my friends. And they're all like, we sure can, wine clink. And that's the end. Their, their, their end is, okay, not only are we clearly not DEA agents because we've never reported to anyone and our only instructions came via sandwich, but and our only job appears to be ferrying <laughs> tourists around Molokai. Um, yeah, we we are basically just murderers that mm-hmm. have a moonlighting project as like freight and people delivery. Yeah, they're just murderers. And at the end of the movie they're just like, "Yeah, and we'll all be rich murderers too, yeah. even though we're clearly already rich. We're going to take all this drug money diamonds and be richer than we are." Mhm. And then Hard Ticket to Hawaii plays again, and we're done. And that's the movie. And we get a couple of blooper reel shots, but all the blooper reel shots are just everyone's boobs again. Yeah. It's just, uh, you remember when this happened in the movie? Boobs. Yeah. Poor Edie has the exact same scene of her getting undressed in her in, in her apartment and looking at the camera, just in the exact same yeah. s- just same shot again. Just, just a <laughs> steely gaze mm-hmm. of looking at the camera and taking your top off. Well, <laughs> there you have it. That's Hard Ticket to Hawaii. So... Let's go ahead and do our little bit here, the best and worst of the movie. Jeff, is it the tits? No. What's the best thing in this no, movie no, for I mean, you? I mean, as much as I appreciate the tit movie as a genre. Yeah. Uh, so is it just genre is the best thing for no, you? No, no, because this movie has a whole bunch of other things to it that are yeah. fantastic. Uh, the best thing in this movie is the scene where they blow up a sex doll on a skateboarder with a rocket launcher. I mean, when you're right, you're right. Yeah, that's, that's, there's no getting around it. You can, the tit movies come and go, John, but blowing up a, a skateboarder with a rocket launcher is forever. Yeah. I mean, I want to say that scene... In its entirety? In, in its entirety yeah. is amazing. Because if you want to take them using the rocket launcher to blow up a sex doll, that's amazing. For me, the fact that their plan was to skateboard past them, drive past them again, and then skateboard back again mm-hmm. as the plan yeah. is what I love. From the Okay, it, basically the best, the best thing in this movie is starts it, that guy must be smoking some heavy doobies, and ends it, a blow-up doll is blown up with a rocket launcher. Yeah. That's, it, it's, it's unimpeachable. Like... <laughs> start to finish that scene is one of the best weird nonsensical scenes where no one bothers to mention how ridiculous everything is in yeah this. yeah that's that's the other thing about that scene that makes it amazing is everybody on it is just on board like wh- when they're done murdering the guy in his blow-up doll the other thug just vanishes yeah he and, just drew drove off he just drives off and the two guys there's no point where they're like that's weird a skateboard based rifle assassin with a blow-up doll that you don't see that every day and it's even rarer on the island of molokai <laughs> nope they were just like Oh yeah, that's standard fare. Standard heavy doobies. That's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean that's that scene is unimpeachable. I mean, I, there are better you know titty movies out there. That this is this isn't an amazing titty movie. It's an amazing what the fuck movie. Yeah. And for you, John, the best thing? Oh, I said that was it. Oh, we're, was that we're, scene. Just, we're just in full agreement. Yeah. No, you're you can take that. I'm taking the the fact that their plan was to have him be a skateboard <laughs> assassin instead of. Both of them shooting at them from a truck. I mean, during the credits, they show that skateboard guy doing some more skateboard tricks, and they're just like, "Yeah, we got we had a cool we skate- had a dude who knew how to skateboard. Obviously, we used it." Yeah, I mean, they were using every part of the buffalo in this movie. Yeah, so worst every part inch of, of this the areolas. Movie, 
the worst part of this movie, uh, I'm going to say Jimmy John Jackson. All of he his is. scenes are terrible. That is true. Yeah. Uh, the scene where he's explaining vitamins is bad. The, the, the love scene he gets is boring. Uh, and then the scene where he talks to the NFL people makes no sense. Yep. He really feels like he was just there because someone needed to be in the, in the Taron shows her boob scene. Yeah. Because they were like, oh, wait a minute. We already decided that these two idiots were going to be with these other two idiots. Who do we get for Taron? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need one more vaguely attractive, dopey-looking dude. Yeah. Uh, and he needs some business, because she can't just have a love scene with a random guy. Yeah. That's porn. Yeah, no. It has to be someone that's established in some way in this yeah. movie. Or else it's porn. Ugh. So there you have it. That's uh, Jimmy Jimmy Jack Johnson is far and away the worst, weirdest thing. What about you? What's the, What's your least favorite? Oh, I gotta say my least favorite thing in this. I mean, you can also go with the cross-dressing for no reason. I mean... At least there wasn't any sort of like real there was no like attack gay on the guy panic yeah, or there was anything no, about this. There was no point where they called him anything. There was no slur. No one was like, oh my God, what a pervert. They were just like, oh, it's a guy. Oh, you fooled us. Yeah. So, you know what? Maybe I got to actually, I, I'm not going to say it's the best, but it actually is well handled for a movie of this of this caliber. Yeah. It, it is oddly weird that the, t I mean, I'm going to say my least favorite thing is the two dudes doing horrible Asian stereotype shit on a boat while they kung fu fight each other yeah, rowdy and jade. so both our favorite and least favorite things are rowdy and jade stuff we're leaving the poor women who are the stars of this movie completely out of it oh yeah they, well, they, they did a good competent job they barely get any business in this i'm gonna that's be true i mean there's honest. a part where taryn apparently spends too much of her money on spy posters yeah spy movie posters it's like oh you got another spy movie poster and in the background is a spy movie poster from some other movie that she is in that, yeah that donna's in <laughs> Uh, it's presumably another Andy Sedaris movie because that's the director of this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. So the, the racism on a boat. There you go. And now we'll give it each a rating zero to five. Gives this rating a rating out of ten. Jeff, uh, I'm I'm torn between two and a half and three. I think I'll stick to two and a half. Uh, this movie is exceedingly weird, but there's so much weird nonsense in it that it is kind of worth checking out the weird nonsense okay like you don't it's not the kind of movie that you should sit around and watch with all of your dude friends which was a mistake i made when we were <laughs> yeah we're like hey come watch this my dude friend come on brian let's let's sit down and watch this and he was like no because he was only there in the early parts which is mostly just boob setup yeah uh <laughs> he missed the the heavy doobies yeah i think if he had stuck around long enough for the heavy doobies he would have been in for the for the whole ride <laughs> yeah uh anyway I'm going to say a two and a half, John. Uh, there's enough weirdness to elevate it beyond the standard super schlock fair we've watched before. All right. Especially the puppet snake. I mean, oh, puppet the snake. puppet snake is completely worth sticking around to see. What about you? Uh, I'm going to give it a two. Mm -hmm. as, as weird as some of the nonsense that happens in this is, it definitely suffers from the, like shitty director doesn't know how to pace things and you just get, Moments where things take too long or... The soul food scene is, is an endless slog. Well, you also get stuff where it's like, what is this? What should be an establishing shot is like a minute and a half of panning across the environment. Oh, yeah. Or scenes where the women are walking towards camera and they just stay on them. And it's not like they're wearing any... They're doing anything sexy or worthy. No. It's just sort of, oh, we needed an extra couple of seconds. And so just hold, hold, yeah. hold. What should have... Like I say, what should have been an establish establishing shot gets turned into part of the scene for no reason. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. There's some, there's some bad filmmaking here. Yeah. 
So I'm going to give it a two. That'll give us a four and a half mm-hmm. out of ten. Not that bad for Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Eh, I've seen worse movies in each one of the genres that this thing is. Yeah. And and it's... I mean, this is no laser mission, so... No, there's no, there's no way this is a laser mission. Although uh, the, both the women are better than the woman in laser mission. <laughs> it's true. The woman in laser mission is awful. She's basically in the Willie Scott genre. <laughs> I will say this. At least... The two of them, like, Donna is, like, actually tough and competent and fights off the main villain. Mm-hmm. And Taryn... Learns by the end. ...isn't an idiot. Like, she's she's that bubbly, fun-type mm-hmm. character, but isn't like, also, I'm dumb, here's my boobs. Yeah, both of them are... Uh, I mean, she's not super competent, but that's just because she's not a trained DEA agent. Yeah, she's like, I don't know why I'm here, I'm yeah. just following you around. But she certainly... She, she accounts herself very well. In yeah. this film, I was for, surprised for have, being thrust into this situation. She definitely murders several people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, there she you gets go. to murder that that football or that that kung fu lady. It's it's barely even in the movie, but she does get to murder the kung fu lady who was doing the bodybuilder poses and the uh, and the Michael Michelle. Yeah, she he, she also takes out our Michael Michelle character. There you go. Yeah, crazy film. Oh, so thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Movie Mastery. We will be back in two weeks with more of this. Uh, we do have our in-theaters now for March poll up. Uh, it's been up for a bit, but we don't have a ton of votes on there. So if you want to decide what it is we are going to go see this month in theaters, go to SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Go to the Movie Mastery tab and click on In Theaters Now. It'll take you to our poll, and you can vote on what you want us to see. Maybe we should start doing those polls in, like, Twitter or, or uh, like, uh, the Discord so that they're more accessible to people than our ancient-ass website. Nah. Eh, fair enough. I want people to go to the website. Fair enough. So you can go there, and, of course, on our website, you can find all of our other content as well. Mm -hmm. You can find all of our content and support the show if you go to patreon.com slash systemmastery. You can give at any level and help out the show. It helps us do what we do, keeps the show on the air, and it uh, opens up some bonus content for you for our other shows. And at the $5 level, even gets you our monthly afterthought where the two of us really just shoot the shit. We get into some topics. Selling oh, it's great. Yeah. I mean, if you love our banter, this yeah. is just banter mm-hmm. with a couple topics. We do questions from the audience. Questions from you. And if you want to answer, uh, get answers for any of your there questions, you there you go, <laughs> uh, then you can join us at the $5 level or more, and that unlocks our special Discord for Afterthought level people only. Mm-hmm. You can find that on our Twitter. We're at System Mastery. You can find the Discord. Yeah, we have a, pr- a pinned link there. It's really easy to get to. I know you've got money to support our Patreon people. I saw that Critical Role thing. I saw what Critical Role got. You you people got walking around money. <laughs> you got pocket change. Hook us up. <laughs> but yeah, you can go there and ask us questions. Get probably one of our most beloved shows it's the one we have the most fun making oh yeah i mean when i say one of our most beloved i don't mean by the audience i mean by us yeah it's our <laughs> it's our favorite show so uh, that's why we charge more for it because it's it's a labor of love yeah and we have to actually like put an effort to the intro and kind of kind of yeah it's the only thing we put effort into it's true people are always asking asking me how much time we spend like script writing and, and running lines and so on and i'm like what what? Every time I talk to other podcasts, even if they're like way less successful than we are, everything they say to me makes us feel like we're just bumbling dopes. <laughs> 
They're like, well, how many pages of notes do you take before uh, you start recording? I'm like, we have never taken any notes ever. And they're like, that's weird, because my producer was saying that we should probably, and I was like, a producer? You have a producer? <laughs> well, how are we not on the same track as every other podcast? Like, we didn't start on, on, on a HeadGum Network somehow. Yeah, I'm like, how do you have a producer? You make $30 on Patreon. Is every single other person making a podcast related to a McElroy and we just didn't notice? Did did we stumble onto like a secret cabal of podcasters? Every single time. Every, even when the people are like, I'm thinking of starting a podcast and my producer says, and I'm like, what, God, what are they taking from you? 10% of nothing? Well, you see, our creative director really thinks. I'm like, whoa, hold the fuck up. The marketing team thinks that what we should. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, there's two of us. We record in a bedroom we do no work <laughs> we're so awful yeah anyway thank thanks you for listening thanks for listening to our awful shitty show <laughs> we will see you in two weeks with more movie mastery but until such a time you have a good one it's a hard to get